Welcome back to the On The Go Media Podcast Network. He's Mitch Williams. I'm John Moinkle. Today's date is Wednesday, October 4th. That is when we are recording this. Mitch, what's happening today? Not a whole lot is happening today. Just the midweek and... We're in the midst of football season, near the end of volleyball season. So, yeah, a lot to talk about today. Yeah, um, we are getting closer and closer to the um, post-seasons. And uh, we got a lot that we're going to be touching on today for the high school um, sports. We're going to talk about some volleyball with uh, the postseason brackets uh, being released sometime before the end of this week, um, especially with the North Iowa Cedar League tournament that um, had a couple of upsets at the pod that I was at. Last night, including Appleton Parkersburg moving on to the semifinals, so uh, we will talk a little bit about that. We will talk about the football playoffs possibly um, getting, well, they will be getting underway here um, in a couple of weeks for the uh, smaller classes. Those uh, standings and RPIs are coming together, so we're kind of getting down toward the end of it here, um, at least uh, from a, a regular season perspective. The small schools have two weeks left of the, of the regular season. The uh, large schools, Class 3A, 4A, and 5A, have three weeks left of the regular season before they get their playoffs started. Mitch, it always just seems like, you know, it just seems like yesterday we were getting ready for week one. It was super hot outside, and... Um, and yeah, we were excited to start the football season. Here we are. Uh, we're uh, on the verge of the playoffs here in just a couple weeks. It just seems like uh, this football season in Iowa, especially at the high school level, goes so quickly, doesn't it? Because you only play, you know, these eight or nine regular season games. I was going to say, once you get into district play, yeah, you know you're in the home stretch of it, and district play is well underway for the smaller schools. And even in 3A, you know, a couple weeks in, or district games as well. So, you know, we are in the home stretch here. 3A has three more regular season games, but 2A, 1A, A, and 8-man all have just two more weeks to put themselves in a great position for the postseason. And here in our area, John, we still have two undefeated teams. Grundy Center, of course, everybody knows about. The team that not everybody knows about, but they probably should do a little research on, is Clarksville and 8-man. What a job that Coach Bowen has done over there. Yeah, Clarksville will be at Gladbrook Rhinebeck this Friday night. Both of those teams are coming in undefeated, and uh, that is going to determine the district title there because uh, Gladbrook Rhinebeck, I mean, they're not going to lose another game this season. Um, and then, um, that is, you know, if they were to lose to Clarksville, I mean, they're not, they're, Clarksville is the only team that they would lose to. Let's put it that way. And then, uh, Clarksville finishes the year with, um, Meskwaki settlement and, uh, no one is losing to them. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's just kind of start there. That's a team in eight man. We'll kind of go, uh, small schools on up here, um, as we, uh, Start to break things down. Let's uh let's pull up the uh, eight player standings. Clarksville is in eight player district four. Um, they are a perfect seven and zero overall, four and zero in district play, and they had a week zero game against Bell Plain. And the reason for that was because Bell Plain, oh, one of the teams in Bell Plain's district, ended up dropping varsity football. So all of a sudden, uh, Bell Plain is uh, looking for you know someone to play week zero, someone to fill in their schedule and. Um, and Clarksville was one of them. In fact, uh, the head coaches of those two programs are uh, brothers, Darren Bolin of Clarksville, and I believe his name is Todd Bolin at Bell Plain. And the interesting thing about Clarksville, too, is 
Um, they added that week zero, but they're not going to have any buys. So they're going to be uh, one of the few teams in the smaller classes that are going to be playing nine games in the regular season as opposed to eight games. So just a little bit of an interesting factoid. They do have that um, one extra game of experience under their belts. Um, because of that, they are leading eight man in a lot of stat categories um, just from a total perspective. But however, when it comes to a per game uh, perspective, they are quite a ways up there as well. So uh, don't let that uh, extra game uh, under their belts uh, skew the stats too much because this team is you know has proven this year that they are the real deal. They have just blown teams out. They have destroyed teams, and uh, football is looking pretty good right now um, in Northern Butler County. But Clarksville seven and zero overall, four and zero. That's really the only record that matters at this point. Four and zero in the district. Same with Gladbrook Rhinebeck, and both of them have um, seventeen points on the point differential. So. Um, and that's really not going to matter for this week's game because you're going to have that head-to-head to decide the district champion, and uh, neither Clarksville nor Gladbrook-Rhinebeck um, are going to lose another game uh, after you know this week's game when they play each other. So Clarksville will be going to the playoffs, and I'm just uh, pulling up the stat leaders here. I want to give you a few factoids about these uh, Indians as I get to bound here, select eight player. They have a running back, and I know Mitch, you, uh, you and Josh were able to uh, see the Indians in action in their um, decimation of Tripola. Um, McCade Bloker of Clarksville, he is the senior running back, second most rushing touchdowns in eight man with uh, 22 on the season, fourth most all-purpose yards with 1,000. Uh, 600, 1,268, and the most rushing yards in eight-man with 1,138. Uh, Mitch, you've you've seen them in person. Just give me your thoughts on, you know, what McCade Bloker brings to the table. And I know Josh had mentioned, too, that he just thought that their offense was so just efficient in uh, how they operated, um, not only in the game that you guys saw, but um, this season as a whole. Oh, yeah, there was one point in that first half at Tripola a couple weeks ago. They ran like eight offensive plays, six touchdowns. McCade Bloker and Eli Schmidt like to line up in the backfield. There's speed galore back there, but we can't forget the sophomore Owen Baker. Uh, He's got 50 carries for over 800 yards as well, 16 rushing touchdowns. They're playing like a video game like I used to do. You just throw it to circle who's running a straight vertical, but they're doing it differently. It's just all run plays. They have attempted 15 passes thus far this year that's through seven games and what's impressive is just the quick strike capability between Bloker as a runner Eli Schmidt as a thrower and a runner then Baker as well as a runner but then you also I also have to look at defense too I mean uh, Kaven Kielman the sophomore leads away with over 60 tackles he has six sacks Owen Baker is another good defensive player who's only a sophomore McKay Bloker is solid there in the linebacking core I believe and 41 tackles for him. So there's just speed galore at this team. Obviously, in eight-man football, you love speed because uh, there's fewer players on the field. So the more speed you have, the better off you are. But, yeah, this Clarksville team, there's a one-two punch there, a running back. And like I said, when you run the ball well, you don't have to pass a lot. And Clarksville has attempted 15 passes through seven games. So a very explosive, quick-strike team I would like to describe them as. 
Clarksville ranked number nine in the latest IHSAA football rankings. They will be at number two in eight-man gladbrook Rhinebeck this Friday night. That game will decide the district title. Let's move on to Class A here, Mitch. Uh, a few teams from our broadcast area that are in Class A, um, including the team that you, get, that you and Josh saw last week, uh, North Butler. They picked up a victory over North Tama. I understand that was kind of a grinded-out, low-scoring type of game for North Butler. Uh, they're 5-1 overall, 3-1 and one in the district in a good position to secure one of those uh, top four uh, district spots and get into the playoffs. Mitch, uh, fill me in a little bit about uh, your alma mater, the uh, North Butler Bearcats. It's amazing what they've done the second time in three years. They'll likely be going to the playoffs, and it could be the second time in three years they host one. Huge game against National Plainfield on Friday night. National Plainfield is kind of in that second spot with North Butler. Obviously, Wapsie Valley leads the way in that district, which is a Class A District 3, but if North Butler were to win at home against the Huskies Friday night and take care of business at Ackley the following week, they're hosting a playoff game there. That'd be a top-two finish in Class A. I believe all top-two teams, for the most part, will get to host at least one playoff game. So North Butler's looking very well, and looking at them statistically, don't throw the ball a whole lot. They're a run team. They got about four guys that have carried the ball at least 30 times, but as a team, they average seven yards a carry. That's moving the chains. And then defensively, that's where they get it done. Looking at North Butler this year, only allowing 7.7 points a game. And most of those came against Wapsie Valley a couple weeks ago. But defensively, once again, Tanner Argus leads away with over 50 tackles, three sacks. Hunter Rodemaker, eight and a half sacks, 42 total tackles, 11 and a half TFLs. You always love to see those TFLs as well. Uh, Griffin Buss, 25 and a half tackles. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good defensive players on that team as well. And punting is winning. John, we Hawkeye fans who know about punting. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> uh, they got another punter by the last name, Miller. Talked to Colbin Miller at Iowa Central. He has a brother, Carter Miller, who is a solid punter as well. He's able to flip field position in one kick. So there's just it's special teams and defense with that team and also running the ball. When you average seven yards a rush, that always helps too. So North Butler – a huge game. Can't stress that enough. Friday night in green against Nashville Plainfield. And their punter isn't from Australia, is he? No, that is. Is, is he from Green or is he from Alice? He is from Butler. <laughs> he's from Butler County. Dumont, but he's from Dumont. He's Butler <laughs> County born, so that's all that matters. Very nice. Um, also in Class A District Three, AGWSR. They are one and five overall, one and four in the district. Um, a tough season for the Cougars. They've lost four straight here. They are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. It sounds like they may be scheduling a uh, Week 9 te- uh, game against another non-playoff team. Um, you know, the consistency kind of been a, uh, an issue for the Cougars here this year. They do have a good running back in Caden Abbas, but uh, unfortunately for the Cougars, uh, it's uh, not going to be enough to make it into the playoffs again. Uh, they are mathematically eliminated. Uh, Class A District 2, um, a couple of local teams there in Belmont, Clemmy and West Fork. Um, unfortunately, those two teams have uh, struggled this year. Uh, Belmont Clemmy 0 and 6 overall, 0 and 5 of the district. West Fork 1 and 5 overall, 0 and 4 in the district. Um, Mitch, uh, a couple weeks, week eight actually, those teams will meet, and um, you know, not uh, not where they those teams would uh, would have hoped they would be uh, going into that game, but uh, you know, maybe a chance for one of those two teams to uh, pick up their first district win, huh? 
And for West Fork, you know, earlier this year, they snapped a losing skid that stretched over two years. So they're able to do that. And, you know, if they're able to beat BK, that's two wins. That's growth for a program like that. And for Belmont Clemmy, it's just trying to rebuild there. When I first started color commentating, that was a team we were constantly going to the playoffs with. So uh, Coach Wilkinson over there at BK just trying to build something. But, yeah, you know, one of those teams gets a win there. That will be week number eight. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. But what's also not fair in this district, you get St. Ansker, who historically has always been a player in the Dome. West Hancock, we know enough about them, covering Grundy Center the last few years. Lake Mills, who I think had a couple of years where they weren't great last year. I know they are coming off a rough season. But Lake Mills is undefeated as well. So when you have West Hancock and St. Ansker, then you have the combination with Lake Mills, who's back and good again. Uh, that's just an unfair district. So uh, West Fork and BK got stuck in a very tough district this year, and it's proven. I mean, those top three teams have a combined one loss. That was St. Ansker defeating West Hancock. Otherwise, there's no losses between those three teams. A very tough district. Yeah, St. Ansgar ranked number one in Class A as of the latest IHSAA poll. They will host West Fork this Friday night. Belmont Clemmy will host AGWSR in non-district action this coming Friday night. Let's move on to Class 1A. And, um, you know, a lot of people are saying, again, Grundy Center is going to be the favorite. They've been ranked number one all year uh, in both the Radio Iowa poll and in the last couple of weeks of the IHSAA poll. Grundy Center 6-0 and overall, 3-0 and in district play. Um, got off to a fast start against uh, South Harden back on uh, Friday night on their uh, homecoming game. Uh, Grundy Center team, you know, kind of known for their fast starts. They had a little bit of a... Um, a choppier performance against uh, Waterloo Columbus here a couple weeks ago on a Thursday night game, but that's a team that found a way to uh, pull it out in the end. They had a scoop and score in the second half. Um, you know, they were able to put another one in the end zone in the late in the fourth quarter after Columbus really gave that uh, gave the Spartans a battle and what was uh, interestingly the first ever meeting between those two programs. But uh, Mitch, this is a team that you and I, uh, you know, got a chance to cover in the dome last year. Um, Colin Gordon, their uh, sensational quarterback, again putting up all state numbers um, as a dual threat QB. He's completed over sixty-two percent of over sixty percent of his passes, sixty point two percent this year. Fourteen uh, over fourteen yards per completion, twelve touchdowns, two picks, and he's also a, a great threat with his legs. He's their leading rusher as well. Forty-seven carries for three hundred thirty-five yards on the season, and um, you know, Mitch, I know you, I know you only got to see him a couple times here in person last year, but I mean, Colin Gordon, you know, a guy, a running quarterback like that can be so hard for a defense to account for, and I'm not sure, Mitch, that there is uh, another quarterback in Class 1A that uh, is doing what Colin Gordon has been able to do last year and this year for Grundy Center. And it's so important, too, that they don't turn the ball over. But, yeah, he's a very explosive player, and we can't stress enough how consistent they are on offensively, John, but defensively, too. They just, you know, they don't commit stupid penalties. We saw that in the Dome against West Hancock. The way they demolished West Hancock in that title game last year still was one of the biggest surprises during my tenure calling high school sports here at Radio on the Go. But at, like you said, Gordon's a very good quarterback. Trent Cake Rice, we talk about him on the Iowa commit, line yeah. on each line. <laughs> Iowa commit. Uh, if he's coming at you, you're going to do the same thing that I do, John, and that is run away. So it's very interesting to see. Uh, what that program has turned into because before Zajac got there, they were winning still four, five, maybe six games a year. Always were just missing the playoffs. Now it's 
okay, how many playoff games do we have to win before we get to the Dome now is what Grundy Center is asking itself. So just a another powerful program down there in Grundy County. Yeah, and that that's a team that, you know, there were maybe some people saying, oh, yeah, maybe they're not going to – and they'll drop off going to Class 1A. Well, they have uh, they quickly uh, proved that they uh, are not going to do that. You know, you get into the playoffs in Class 1A, and I was talking to Coach Zajac about this uh, in the preseason, um, and he, he had said that you'll, you'll probably see some greater depth when it comes to the uh, playoff opponents, um, but that would really be about the only concern. You know, Grundy Center has proven that they can um, defeat some of the best uh, Class 1A teams. They got a op- uh, season-opening victory over uh, Dyke New Hartford uh, back in you know, all the way back at the end of August. So um, proved their value, uh, if you will, um, even in that game alone. But um, as you would said, the, just the, the preparation that this team does, um, especially – on the defensive side of the ball, holding these some elite offenses really in check and almost useless in a lot of their a lot of their games. I mean, it's really impressive what Grundy Center is doing. Um, again, uh, pretty much consensus number one ranked team, and um, you know I don't see Grundy Center losing uh, another game here in the regular season. Um, they got Al Burnett and Hudson to uh, finish off the year another Thursday nighter at Hudson in Week Eight, but they will host Al Burnett here at Spartan Stadium. Uh, that'll be the uh, final regular season home game for Grundy Center. 7 o'clock p.m. is the kickoff. Um, let's move on to District 3 in Class 1A. And, you know, everyone that I've talked to, including, you know, the coaches that I've talked to out of this district, um, have said that it is the absolute toughest district um, in all of Class 1A. And I don't think there's anyone that can really dispute that. So. Here's what we got in 1A District 3. You got four teams um, tied right now with two and one district records. MFL Marmac, Denver, Dyke New Hartford, and Sumner Fredericksburg. Now, all four of those teams either are or have been ranked at some point this season. Um, Dyke New Hartford recently dropped out of the IHSAA rankings entering this week. But you got Sumner Fredericksburg, number three, MFL Marmac, number four, and uh, Denver, number five. So you got three, four, five, all right there here in this district. Um, and Dyke New Hartford, you know, depending on what they do against uh, Appleton Parkersburg here this Friday night, uh, we'll see if they are able to sneak back into the rankings as well, if they're able to uh, get it done against uh, AP on Friday. But um, Sumner Fredericksburg, Right now, probably the biggest surprise team in that district, and they kind of made a statement in the season opener when they defeated East Buchanan, a team that was widely regarded as um, being one of the best teams in Class A this year. Um, you know, so they hung 58 points on all line here. I think I believe that was Week Three. So when you can score that more that many points against anyone, that's really impressive. What Sumner Fredericksburg is doing, um, I'll get a chance to see them in Week Eight when uh, AP plays up there in the regular season finale. Uh, but they did lose to Dyke New Hartford, 24 to 14. So it's really a log jam in this district. So here's what you got: um, MFL Marmac, they're two and one in the district. They lost to Sumner Fredericksburg, but they defeated uh, Dyke New Hartford and Applington Parkersburg. Denver is two and one in the district, with wins over uh, Applington Parkersburg and Central Springs. They lost to Sumner Fredericksburg. Dyke New Hartford two and one in the district, with uh, wins 
over Central Springs and Sumner Fredericksburg and a loss to MFL Marmac. And then Sumner Fredericksburg with uh, district wins over MFL Marmac and Denver and a district loss to Dyke New Hartford. So, Mitch, based on that, um, I know this you don't cover this district a lot, but just from, uh, I guess, uh, you would technically be an outsider for this district Give me your thoughts on just that log jam that we have here with four teams all tied for first place with two and one records, and everyone has pretty much beaten each other. Denver, the only team that um, doesn't have a win against teams from that group, but that's just crazy, isn't it? I mean, to see that many ranked teams in this district and the fact that really nothing has been decided here going into week seven. Yeah, it's an amazing district, and like you said, you know, for a couple of weeks there, it looked like Sumner Fred was a surprise. Well, then Dyke New Hartford uh, beat Sumner Fredericksburg by double digits. Then we thought, okay, DNH is going to start taking control. Then they had the setback to MFL Marmac a couple of weeks ago, or last week, excuse me, by 20. Then you're thinking, oh, Denver might be a, a team that represents this district. They had a setback to Sumner Fredericksburg last week as well, so it's very hard to pick out who the winner would be this year. MFL Marmac, I have to look and see, because they had the win over DNH by 20. Oh, their loss was a Sumner Fredericksburg. I think that was a game you said, what, MFL Marmac, or Sumner Fred, they won that game over MFL, but they had, what, minus 40 rushing yards yes. in the process? Yes, so Sumner Fredericksburg defeated MFL Marmac with negative 43 rushing yards, and I haven't seen any game tape or anything from that particular game. Uh, probably we'll dive into that uh, here in, in, uh, in a couple weeks when I uh, prepare for that broadcast when they play AP. But, um, yeah, the, Sumner Fredericksburg had negative 43 rushing yards in a low-scoring victory. I believe it was 13-6 to over MFL Marmac. So that, I mean... I don't know. I, I'd have to see if it was a bunch of quarterback sacks, but that was an incredible feat by Sumner Fredericksburg. And, you know, you think about that district, too. Like, um, at this point, if you I, if I were to try to pick a team, you know, to be the district champ, to maybe go the furthest in the playoffs, at this point, I would probably have to say Sumner Fredericksburg simply because they have proven themselves with victories over both MFL Marmac and Denver, which, uh, you know, coming into the season, MFL Marmac was probably the favorite. I mean, we, we saw what they were able to do against both AP and Dyke New Hartford, two of our local teams. And then Denver, I mean, we saw what they did to AP. They have one of the best running backs in all of Class 1A. And, um, and yeah, Sumner Fredericksburg was able to come out on top against them in a Bremer County showdown there. So, um, yeah, and let's not count out AP either. I mean, that's a team that um, they're getting some guys back from injury. They're one and two in the district right now. A win over Central Springs and uh, two losses to uh, MFL Marmac and Denver. So from an AP perspective, you know, we said that Sumner Fredericksburg had, you know, wins over the two other teams. That's Those are the two teams that AP has lost to. So some could say that maybe AP's toughest stretch of the district season is behind them. Obviously, you can never discount Dyke New Hartford. That's a team that Coach Betts always has his guy his guys ready to go. I have no doubt that Dyke New Hartford is going to be uh, really prepared going into that one. You know, and DNH has owned that uh, series with AP here over the last decade or so. Um, obviously, you never know what can happen um, against, you know, and when AP plays DNH, um, I'm not in a position to predict the winner of that one as I'm calling that game this Friday. But if AP were to come out on top of that one, then that would send AP to 2-2 two and two in district play, uh, DNH to 2-2. Two and two, And there's really just no way to predict what how this district can shake out just because of the fact that, you know, 
basically everyone has beaten each other in this district. So, and then you start talking about the point differential. You know, right now those uh, top four teams are both positive, but Sumner Fredericksburg, despite being tied for first and having beaten beaten maybe the two uh, better teams in that district so far, they have the lowest point differential at uh, only plus two. So then you start talking about well, you get up against a team, you got to try to beat them by seventeen. There's so many different things that can happen at this point. You know, it's probably not even worth projecting. Um, After this Friday night, I'll probably start kind of penciling some things out and seeing uh, where things might be able to shake out uh, here as far as 1A District 3. But again, there is no way to tell at this point. And the point differential might end up coming into play to break potentially multiple ties. Uh, So yeah. That's that's what things are looking like for our local class 1A teams right now. Grundy Center, like we said, uh, they have the inside track of uh, winning their district in District 4, and I see no reason that they're going to lose again here in the regular season. They have not done so yet. South Harden, um, they're in a good spot as well to get into the playoffs. They're in fourth place right now, and they play, I believe, Hudson this week. Had their schedule pulled up. Um, yeah, it must be Hudson here this week. Oh, yeah, they do play. They host Hudson here this week. So that'll be a big game for South Harden here as well. That's a team that has had some frustrating games this season. They blew a big lead against AP. I know uh, Coach Eller was uh, frustrated with their start against uh, uh, Grundy Center here last week as well. So that's, uh, that's kind of a look at what, uh, what things are looking like here for our local teams in Class 1A. Um, again, Applington Parkersburg hosts Dyke New Hartford this Friday night. That game will air on 99. The Wave 615 is the Rolling Ford Road to the Dome warm-up show. 7 o'clock is the kickoff from Ed Thomas Field. And then Grundy Center, uh, like we said, they will host Albernet this week. And South Harden hosts Hudson this week as well. So a lot of local teams at home. All right, Mitch, let's move on to Class 2A here. Um, probably the, the class that... Uh, just based on our coverage, we have kind of the, the fewest uh, games on the air for these guys. But uh, let's start in 2A District 2. I know you got a chance to see Clarion Goldfield Dows. They are currently in fourth place in their district, 2-4 um, and four overall, 1-2 and two in district play. I know you saw them in week two. Um, what's kind of your uh, quick synopsis of Clarion Goldfield Dows and what their uh, path to the playoffs here might look like? Well, obviously, you got to beat the team that's in last place in the district. That's who they have on Friday. That's Okaboji. Then you have to, they go from playing the last place team to the first place team in their last two weeks. So, talk about a whirlwind there for the Cowboys. But they still have a path to the playoffs. They have a win over Garner Hayfield Ventura. I know Coach Vogel was not happy with the loss to Forest City last week, the six point loss in Clarion. Uh, not coming after a solid performance against ELC on the road. Uh, the week before there. So uh, they still have a path to the playoffs. They play Okaboji uh, on the road here on Friday night, I see here. But, yeah, Clarion Goldfield down is a setback to Forest City. But they still have a path to the playoffs here as one of the top four teams in 2A District 2. Again, they still have some familiar foes. Spirit Lake was left over from last year, Esterville, Lincoln Central. They had teams like... Uh, uh, Southeast Valley that left uh, for a different district in Class 2A, but a tougher district. But, yeah, I know Coach Vogel was uh, kind of disappointed in the result of Forest City uh, with Forest City last week. So that's 2A District 2. And then looking on here, John, going to 
uh, Class 2A, District 6. And this is where Iowa Falls. You took the words out of my mouth. That's where I was going next. But, yes, uh, go go ahead. 2A, District 6, Iowa Falls Alden got off to a great start. I mean, they went uh, winless and non-district play. They did have a tough schedule there. They lost HD Cal, lost to South Harden, two rivalry games. Uh, did get uh, beat handily by Clear Lake, who is uh, just running away there in Class 3A District 2. More on that in a moment. But then they opened up district play. They beat Union. They beat Vinton Shellsburg in a late game during that rain-infested Friday night. Uh, had a setback to West Marshall last week. That's a game they only trailed by three points there, middle of the fourth quarter. A special teams blunder did give the uh, Trojans a win. So now for IFA, looking at their schedule, they have to play the top two teams, two of the top two teams anyway, Prairie City Monroe to end the year in week eight. And this Friday night, they take on a Jessup team that is three and three and two and one. So the winner of that game will likely, you know, secure its spot in the playoffs. Well, it looks like IFA should be safe anyway with Union and Vin Shellsburg just struggling this year. But, you know, that's a new head coach at IFA, Eric Walkingstick. Absolutely new offensive scheme. You know, Don Anderson was the old-fashioned pro-style uh, I-formation. Carson Shire comes to mind when I think about the run game there. Uh, walking stick with Jaden Damiano. It's a bunch of speed spread option sort of deals, a lot of QB power runs. So uh, really changed the offense, trying to change the culture. And they have a really good shot there. They still finish as the second-place team there in District 6 in Class 2A. But first things first is a game against Jessup at Cadet Field in Iowa Falls on Friday night. You bet. That's their uh, Week 7 game. 7.30 p.m. is the kickoff. Clarion Goldfield Dows in Class 2A as well. Long road trip to Okaboji here this week for a 7 o'clock p.m. kickoff. Those are our teams in uh, Class 2A. And now let's move on to Class 3A. Mitch, um, Hampton Dumont Cal is our only local team here. Um, as of as of the recording of this podcast, they are in fifth place in the district, 0-2 in district play, um, 4-2 overall. I, it's a couple of straight losses for Hampton Dumont Cal, 12th place in the uh, RPI uh, with a 60-36 at this point. Mitch, uh, Hampton Dumont Cal, after such a great start to the season, you know, they cracked the Radio Iowa poll as well. Um, a couple different times uh, throughout the, the non-district portion of the season. But all of a sudden, Mitch, HD Cal has their backs against the wall, and um, they're going to have to have some things go their way if they want to make the playoffs. And be for a third straight season. What a job by Coach Miller there, obviously. They uh, played Humboldt in back-to-back years in the playoffs. Now Humboldt's a district counterpart. And, yeah, they had the nice non-district play they beat IFA a rivalry game they won another rivalry game over CGD they clobbered West Marshall and also beat Nevada Nevada is five and one on the season that's just to give you an idea of how good HD Cal had there in the non-district play now they open up district play at Humboldt Dwayne and I had the call there Humboldt was very quiet about okay are they going to have their star running back Lance Kuhn back or not senior uh, he was a big rusher, one of the big returners for the Wildcats. He came back. H.D. Cal really made him earn his yards. That was a game they – it was a close game. I know the Bulldogs felt like they had every chance to win that, 14-7. And then last week against Webster City, it was just a rough start for the Bulldogs. They got down, I believe, 28 nothing there in the first half and really hard to rally a deficit like that, especially against a team that likes to run like Webster City. Now they're going to face a Clear Lake team that's undefeated, uh, beating their opponents by an average of 25 points a game. 
And HD Cal, like you said, John, if you know if they're going to sniff the playoffs again, you got to be looking at winning out here against Clear Lake, against Charles City, and then finishing off at Algona. But first things first, you got to take on a Clear Lake team again that's undefeated and a team that's really good defensively. Offensively, they kind of match pound per pound in terms of rushing yards per game, uh, yards per rush, passing yards a game, and all that. But it's defensively, Clear Lake has just, you know, they held Webster City to two points, IFA to six. They shut out New Hampton. Uh, they did give up 28 to Algona in a wild game last week, but that's a tough test for the Bulldogs, and it just speaks to how tough this district is, too, for one of our area teams. Uh, that being Class 3A District 2, HD Cal goes 4-0 in non-district play with a win over Nevada, and now they're looking at, you know, a possible 0-3 start in district play as they take on Clear Lake Friday night. But uh, HD Cal is also fighting the injury bug as we speak, so we'll see what happens Friday night up at Clear Lake. Should be a nice night for football, John. We didn't mention that yet. We have Friday night football temperatures now coming on Friday night as well. Yeah, 55 degrees, I think I saw as the forecast high, potentially some uh, showers as well. Um, as I pull up the weather app here a sec, yeah, Friday um, in Applington, the high is going to be 53. So a little a touch cooler than um, maybe we even originally thought. So definitely some crisp football weather, and I think a lot of people will enjoy that after the uh, heat we've experienced. But uh, anyway, uh, with uh, Hampton-Dumont-Cal again in Class 3A District 2, um, the, the larger three classes, 3A, 4A, 5A, the playoffs are a little different there. So Class 3A, um, your six district champions and your six district runner-ups are guaranteed playoff spots. And then the final four spots to complete the 16-team field are all decided by RPI or Ratings Percentage Index. So that's a you know that's a system that I, I I'm a fan of that system. I like uh, using RPI to determine the um, playoff spots. Something that you know I personally wish would uh, maybe we could maybe even use a little more RPI and even in the smaller classes to de- determine some of those playoff qualifiers as well. But uh, as of now, that's only used in Class Three A. Um, Hampton Dumont Cal is sitting at number 12 right now in the RPI. Um, haven't done a whole lot of um, deep diving into the, where these teams stand, but, you know, Mitch, at this point, um, as we said, they're going to have to win a, a couple more games here. But if you're 12th in the RPI, and as long as, you know, the teams above you are all either district champs or runners up, you know, that's not in too bad of a position to be in. So, again, we got three games left for the Class 3A teams. Um, we will see how those all shake out. But once again, Hampton-Dumont-Cal at Clear Lake. We'll throw their ranking in here as soon as I can get back to it. Clear Lake's RPI is number two in Class 3A. So Hampton-Dumont-Cal at number two in 3A Clear Lake. This coming Friday night, Week 7 on 104.9 KLMJ, 615 Rolling Ford Road to the Dome Warm-Up Show. 7 o'clock is the kickoff at Lions Field, a very tough place to play. Josh Hamlin, Mitch Williams on the call on 104.9 KLMJ. Well, that's a synopsis of the latest here for high school football in our area. Mitch, uh, anything else uh, we should touch on with that before we uh, move on to our next topic here? No, I'm just excited to see what the last few weeks brings. We should have a lot of teams in the playoffs here in a couple of weeks, and it's always that exciting time of year with playoff positioning. Definitely one of my favorite, well, probably my favorite uh, time of the year, you know, regardless here in uh, high school sports. I mean, it does not get too much better than, um, you know, 
seeing the playoff picture unfold for football really is a special time. Let's move on to some volleyball here. Um, obviously, the North Iowa Cedar League, uh, really the, the main story, um, not only in our area, but uh, in the entire state of Iowa when it comes to high school volleyball. Um, new rankings were just released today. Again, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, October 4th. Um, and these are the rankings that are going to determine the playoff seedings. So the top eight ranked teams in each class are guaranteed to be a one seed. So they will have home court advantage through the regional final. In, cl- in fact, in class 3A, 4A, and 5A, they actually have, um, they don't have neutral sites for the regional final. So the top eight ranked teams in those classes are guaranteed home games all the way up until the state tournament. But anyway, um, in 2A and 1A, uh, let's start in class 2A because that's where kind of the, the bulk of our local teams are at. Um, Dyke, New Hartford, ranked number one. Um, no surprise whatsoever there. 31-0 on the season. They will be part of the uh, NICL semifinals on Thursday night in Grundy Center after they defeated Jessup and Sumner Fredericksburg on a Tuesday night in the pod they hosted. Grundy Center is number three. They've been at number three the entire season um, all year long. The top three in Class 2A has been Dyke New Hartford, followed by Hinton, and then Grundy Center at number three. So the Spartans in a great spot as well. Uh, they defeated Wapsie Valley in the uh, NICL tournament quarterfinals on Tuesday night after they got a first round bye. They were the only team in the NICL that got the bye this year. The West champion um, got that bye, and that's how the Spartans got that. Then you have a Denver team that, you know, they have really been able to reload here this year. Number four in Class 2A, that is going to be Applington Parkersburg's semifinal opponent. You got Sumner Fredericksburg at number six, and then Applington Parkersburg. How about this? With their uh, win over Union last night, they were able to jump from number 10 to number eight, so the Falcons have guaranteed themselves a top seed here in the Class 2A regional playoff. So um, a great season that Applington Parkersburg has had. Um, They've matched their season win total from last year here already and uh, that is a program that is really headed in the right direction such great year-to-year improvement that Applington Parkersburg has done Uh, they are 23 and 6 and as we said they will take on Denver here in the semifinal round of the NICL tournament uh, tomorrow night in Grundy Center Um, yeah and just with that they defeated Union two sets to one uh, Union who was ranked number seven in 3A um, on the night's home court in LaPorte City last night so um, you know, I said on the broadcast that was probably AP's signature victory um, of this season so far. Anyway, we'll see what they're able to do when it comes to um, you know the postseason. But um, definitely, this, that was that was the biggest win in the Candace Clespies era, which is now into its second season. Uh, South Harden, they've been sniffing around that uh, kind of that number eight, number seven spot uh, in Class Two A the entire season. But after yesterday's results, they have dropped two spots down to number ten. So. Um, they are 27 and five, uh, when I, going into the last week's match that, uh, I called when they played AGWSR and swept them, um, they only had two losses at that point. Now, all of a sudden after a tournament loss at Greene County over the weekend, and then, um, another loss here, uh, in the NICL tournament, they're now down to five losses. So over half of their losses on the season have come in the last week here. Um, South Harden, you know, again, they've they've been playing good teams here, but not the direction that a team wants to be headed. And uh, unfortunately for the Tigers, they have now fallen out of contention for a top seed. They'll still be a number two seed, so they'll still have the number or the home field, home, cold, home court advantage um, through the regional final. 
Um, but then you got Wapsie Valley at number 11. That's kind of where they've been hovering around the entire season as well. But uh, again, in 2A, Appleton-Parkersburg really has made the biggest jump. They were unranked to begin the season, and here they are at number 8. They'll be a top seed in the uh, postseason. Moving on to Class 1A, um, just one local team there, AGWSR, uh, ranked number 8. They're, they dropped one spot, so... Um, HWSR, despite being 10 and 20, 10 games under 500, um, eerily similar to last year. They are going to be a top seed in the Class 1A regional postseason, but it's because of their immaculate strength of schedule. Um, they had only played, or they they had only lost to one team this year that was that either that had never been ranked at any point in the season. So, um, just a just a spectacular performance. Um, you know, a spectacular strength of schedule, I should say, that AGWSR has faced. And, um, you know, against, uh, against like competition, if you will, some of those Class 1A type of teams, they have done pretty well against when they have played them this season. It has not been often, but AGWSR will benefit greatly from, you know, only having to face Class 1A opponents from uh, uh, the postseason on out. Uh, they will be at uh, gladbrook Rhinebeck for their um, consolation pod of the NICL tournament here um, this coming Thursday. Um, and then you got some other teams in the NICL. Gladbrook Rhinebeck is ranked number 13 in Class 1A. That's a team that got, took a little bit of a drop-off uh, from last year here, but still forced to be reckoned with. A team that AGWSR has managed to beat here as well. And that uh, rounds it out for the NICL in the rankings. Again, Union number 7 and 3A. Their ranking did not change um, with their loss to AP last night. So uh, they are a guaranteed home court advantage um, in the regional postseason as well. Just crazy good volleyball we have around here, Mitch. Um, Obviously, everyone knows what Dyke New Hartford has done. Um, One of, if not the greatest high school sports dynasties that Iowa has ever seen. Um, The Dyke New Hartford volleyball team, what they've been able to put together. Um, Peterson Twins leading the way here this year. Their senior season, their last go of it, and they're going to look to – take home the state title this year after falling just short last year but uh right now mitch um if things go as chalk uh that that meaning uh for those who don't know if the seedings all play out with the higher seed winning we would have at the state tournament from our coverage area applington parkersburg grundy center dyke new hartford and AGWSR. So it could be a busy state tournament here coming up uh, late October, early November. Um, lots of exciting stuff. The regional postseason brackets are going to be released sometime this week. Last season, they were re- released on the Friday of this week. Um, and one of the reasons I remember that is because I was getting ready to go up to Central Springs for AP's football game up there on that Friday night. And it turned out that AP was going to host Central Springs in the first round of the volleyball postseason. So um, that's kind of the only reason why I remember it was Friday of last year. But, uh, yeah, those will be sometime this week, no later than this Friday. And, yeah, always exciting when you have brackets released by either of the either the IGHSAU or the IHSAA. Uh, when it comes to teams on the uh, KLMJ side, um, Hampton Dumont Cal, I know they've had a rough season. Same with West Fork. Um, I think Clarion Goldfield Dows is probably the probably one of the best, if not the best teams um, that Josh covers. Uh, unfortunately, he's not able to 
join us here today. Um, ho- hopefully we'll have him here uh, down the road at some point, but um, I know Josh will probably have at least a couple teams that will have um, an opportunity to make some sort of a run in the regional postseason. Anyway, that kind of wraps up volleyball. Um, we'll talk more in our next podcast about cross country. That's kind of the sport that unfortunately we're going to be leaving out today for high school sports, but um, the state qualifying for those are just a few weeks away. And before too long, we should know um, where local teams are going. I know that Dyke New Hartford is hosting a state qualifier. So they're of course guaranteed to be there. We would think that um, quite a few of our other local teams will head to Dyke New Hartford for the cross country state qualifying, but we will see the IHSA and IGHSAU will release those assignments here before too long as well. I believe that either the 19th or 20th is when the um, cross country state qualifying meets will be and some uh, decent cross country here in this area as well. Again, we'll talk about more of that here on our next podcast, but for now, Mitch, um, we've kind of covered our high school sports here for the first 45 minutes of this podcast. Um, I understand you have some, uh, Brian Ferentz type of thoughts to get off your chest, huh? Yes. Well, Iowa beat Michigan state 26 to 16. They lost their starting quarterback, Cade McNamara. Um, Mitch, I'll kind of let you, uh, kind of take the reins for, for this segment here. Uh, as we move to our kind of our statewide sports segment when we talk about uh, college football around the state um, and, you know, things are uh, you mixed emotions for sure in Iowa City right now with uh, the loss of quarterback Cade McNamara for the rest of the season, um, an ACL injury. Deacon Hill going to be taking over as the starting quarterback for the Hawkeyes um, and an offense that may or may not be improving with their OC, uh, Mitch, what do you, what's kind of your thoughts that, uh, you'd like to share today about, uh, the situation going on in Iowa city right now? Well, first of all, since we last talked, you know, they started the season, but as soon as I saw the performance against Utah state and Iowa state, I knew this offense was maybe ever so slightly improved, but it wasn't as improved as McNamara was saying in the off season, you know, keep talking crap about our offense, et cetera, et cetera. And then they, Western Michigan, a game where they were trailing most of that first half, and then they went out to Happy Valley, and then uh, it wasn't the best turnout out there. I think Penn State had more points than Iowa had plays, or it was very close, but then at home against Michigan State, Michigan State just fired its head coach. I don't know who their quarterback was. I never heard of him. They got down 16-10 to there in the third quarter. Deacon Hills, the backup quarterback. K. McNamara suffers another non-contact injury. He's out for the year. Deacon Hill comes in, and I i was asked this question uh, late Saturday night or Sunday. Did you notice a massive drop-off in production and talent-wise between McNamara going down and Deacon Hill coming in? I didn't really think so, John. Deacon Hill did what he was supposed to do. He managed the game. I don't I can't remember. Was he the one that fumbled the ball away there in that third quarter that led to the Michigan State touchdown? I don't believe so, but in the end, they won the game by 10. So if you if you took Hawkeyes by 10 and a half, it's unfortunate for you. Um, for Iowa, though, they do have Purdue coming to town this week. Not really easy to watch that game with all the streaming stuff going on. Uh, Purdue team that can put up points but is not the great defensive team either. So this is a game, you know, maybe the offense, just maybe, just maybe, the offense starts to click. But 
Uh, you look at the rest of that schedule, John, for Iowa, it's – I don't want to sound rude or anything, but that schedule's a joke. Uh, the Big oh, Ten yeah. West, Minnesota <laughs> – Minnesota is not great. Nebraska is just Nebraska. Illinois is shockingly down from last year. Wisconsin's going through a new head coach. Northwestern has its troubles. Purdue's going through a first-year head coach. So Iowa, in a year where its offense is still not improved, really benefits by not playing a tough schedule. I think I read somewhere after the Penn State game, so these rankings are about a week old, the best defensive team they're going to face actually was not Wisconsin. I think it was Nebraska. Nebraska was ranked at the time like 74th out of 133 teams in the country. So this schedule's bad. It sets up for Iowa to go at least 10 and 2. I don't think that I have them winning at Wisconsin, but I'll take 10 and 2, a bowl game down in Florida, win the bowl game 11 and 2. That's a massive success of season. So despite how bad the offense is, I just had to do that one more time. This defense, and Cooper DeGene, by the way, he deserves every amount of credit. Dude is the goat, man. You know. Proud of OEBCIG. Yeah. I said from the beginning he needs to play quarterback. Um, you know, I don't think he – probably not going to happen. He he did express some interest in playing some offense, though. So, I mean, whether that looks like um, him, you know, possibly maybe a wildcat type of scenario or lining up as like a tight end or receiver or something, he's probably not going to be playing QB. Um unfortunately, but probably for the best at this point. But, yeah, that's a dude that, you know, has really captured the heart of Hawkeye fans um, all around the world. And especially, I think, Mitch, um, you bring up Cooper DeGene. Um, sorry to steal your thunder here, but I think uh, Cooper DeGene is really a special story. Um, part of the reason that, you know, he's captured the heart of Hawkeye fans so much as well is that he is an Iowa native, just absolutely balling out. He had that punt return against Michigan State, 70 yards for a touchdown. Iowa native, Odebolt, Iowa, OABCIG, led his team to, you know, that state title back in here a few years ago in the Unidome where he absolutely destroyed, I think it was Van Meter that they were playing, like he single-handedly just took it he to him. He spun the magic bean. He yeah, spun man. spun the magic bean. He tossed it all over the yard. Yeah, and I think that's why, that's a big reason of why, you know, Cooper DeGene is so beloved. He's just an Iowa native doing this stuff. And Iowa, obviously the Hawkeyes have had a lot of, Iowa natives on their team. You think of a guy like James Vandenberg. He was an Iowa native, and we all know how that turned out. But, uh, but yeah, that's yeah one of one of many Iowa natives. Um, but uh, Cooper DeGene certainly a uh, special one. Um, also with Iowa, there's been a lot of talk on the drive to 325, which is the you know the amount of points that needs to be scored by Iowa in order to in order for Brian Ferentz to keep his job. Um, as of his contract that was amended here uh, this past offseason. And I'm seeing a report that um, Iowa needs to average 27 points per game from here on out, uh, Mitch, in order to get to those 325 points by the end of the season. Um, briefly want you to maybe sound off on that here a sec. I'll give you a, a second to formulate your thoughts, but this is something that um, I wanted to play from uh, the user HeavensXFX on Twitter. And um, uh, this, um, this guy has released some funny videos about Brian Ferris, and I just want to play this one here real quick. Um, all stepladder jokes aside, it's, it was a costly win. Um, some are saying without our starting quarterback, our All-American tight end, and our top two running backs, um, the drive for 325 is unfair and should be waived. Um, but I'm, I'm not an excuse guy. Uh, unlike our critics, you won't, you won't catch me saying our receivers 
um, have hands like feet, doesn't matter. The drive to 325 continues. <laughs> hands like feet, man. Now this, okay, to be fair, this was fake. AI did this. Mitch, I know I sent you one of those uh, earlier when it, that uh, referred to that stepladder thing, but I just wanted to throw that in there because I, I found that to be hilarious. And this, this Heavens guy on Twitter X, I guess is what it's called now, has uh, done some pretty funny stuff with this. But, I mean, the fact that there's, Mitch, the fact that there has been um, satire and the fact that uh, the Iowa offense is a kind of a comedic point that people around the country, not just Iowa, and around the country have been using. I mean, that just tells you a lot. The, pa- the fact that people all around the United States are making fun of Iowa and Brian Ferentz. I mean, that kind of tells you what you need to know about uh, this, this Iowa offensive unit. Our national punching bag every week. I mean, every week when I'm on Twitter, it's the middle of an Iowa game. Last week it was like 8 o'clock at night. Uh, we were watching the game, and then I pulled up Twitter. What was one of the first things that was trending? Ferentz. Next thing was Brian Ferentz. And actually another one oh. that was trending was like Brian Ferentz uh, 25. That, those were the three things that were there. Brian Ferentz 25. Because people not only make fun of the Iowa offense, not only make fun of the lack of success at the quarterback position, they make fun of Gary Barta's one of his last hurrahs while he was at Iowa that just horribly amended contract, basically saying, yeah, if you average 25 points a game, it doesn't matter how much the defense or special team scores. You get, you know, you get your bonus or whatever. You get all the contract that you had signed on awarded to you, and you get to come back. I. <laughs> this is a topic so that, sad because that Mitch Williams gets really riled up about. I mean, well, I, don't I don't know why any Hawkeye fan wouldn't get riled up about this. I mean, it's 25 points a game. Yeah, maybe 20 years ago was hard to do. In today's game, how many times do you see a game they say was low scoring, but the game itself was like 34-28? That's a low scoring game anymore. Now, high scoring games are 56 to 48. But Gary Barta said, it's okay, Brian. We're going to let you score 25 points. You get to get all your money, and then you get to come back to Iowa. We know Daddy's on the staff, so we're going to treat you nice, okay? And Gary Barta, for all that, I'm going to play this one last time because I know John's probably getting annoyed. But for that whole contract, oh yes, that's what happens. Yeah, that contract. I mean, I, I can guarantee you every AD in the country after they saw that contract just scratch their head going, what is this? Or they just oh. laughed. They just probably just laughed, too. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, anyway. National so, punching bag. Yep, Iowa will look to build up on their uh, win over Michigan State last week. Uh, they will host Purdue in Kinnick Stadium. 2.30 is the kickoff on Peacock this Saturday. Moving on to uh, Iowa State, 2-3 and three overall. Uh, 1-1 of the Big 12 after they uh, got destroyed at Oklahoma 50-12 to last Saturday. And uh, they will host TCU this Saturday, 7 o'clock p.m. on 104.9 KLMJ. Mitch, your thoughts on uh, the Cyclone season so far and their uh, matchup here with uh, TCU this week? For the team that's left, uh, obviously they got off to a rough start non-conference play, lost to Iowa. Matt Campbell now like 1-6 against the Hawkeyes. And then they went to play a MAC team, and Iowa fans... Well, warn you, the MAC teams aren't easy to beat. 
Uh, they lost to the Bobcats 10-7 to there in Week 3. Started off conference play strong with a win over a kind of faltering Oklahoma State program where they aired it out. They called it like Cy-Rate or something, air-rate offense, where Beck, the quarterback, the young quarterback, he's got an arm. Uh, kind of interesting to watch. And against Oklahoma, that final score, you know, the second half was all OU, but, you know, with about five minutes to go in the first half, it was 21-20 after an Iowa State field goal. Iowa State then proceeds to give up a touchdown, I think a safety. The score at halftime, all of a sudden was like 40-20 to 20 or something like that. So uh, just a bad, unfortunate last five or six minutes for the Cyclones. Like you said, this week they get TCU. TCU was the Cinderella story last year. Um, it's the Jack Trice legacy game, which is always cool to see. Uh, someone said they rarely lose that game. So it's at home under the lights, 7 o'clock star for the Cyclones. And this is a team, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are in a league of themselves. But I heard the reaction show Saturday night after Iowa State lost. Not sure why I was up at 11 o'clock listening to that, but that's beside the point. That's uh, part of my job, I guess, for doing this. Uh, the one thing I heard was the rest of the league is just, I mean, you could put any, you could make an argument for Kansas as the third best team, argument for uh, BYU, the newcomer, as the third best team, Kansas State. And, you know, they were Cyclone Homer, so they said Iowa State. But then I looked at the schedule and I looked at the standings. They're not that, you know, far behind being a third-best team in that conference because a bunch of newcomers, uh, teams like Texas Tech, who had great uh, preseason expectations, are down. TCU is not as great as they were last year. Uh, they got A lot of those kids are on that team last year are gone. So, um, yeah, Iowa State... If they get to a bowl, I'm not going to be surprised. You know, probably like a seven and five bowl team, six and six to sneak in as a bowl team. Uh, they got some winnable games coming up, including TCU. Uh, they still have to go to Texas Tech, who's down this year at BYU. They have to go to Kansas State, but I'm not really sold on Kansas State yet. I know they're the reigning Big 12 champs, but uh, still not sold on them this year anyway. So there's some winnable games there for the Cyclones at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's nothing great, so uh, don't be surprised if they're part of our bull pickums when we have those coming up late december you bet and uh once again iowa state will host tcu this saturday seven o'clock p.m on 104.9 klmj five o'clock p.m will be the pregame and then uh with our other college football team that we cover here with radio on the go uh northern iowa panthers they have a 6 p.m kickoff at indiana state this saturday uh panthers are two and two overall one to know in the missouri valley conference after they defeated youngstown state last week um mitch this is obviously fcs but uh uh have you gotten a chance to see much of the panthers here yet this year yes and theo day is i mean he's something special there for the panthers the quarterback uh he's He's in the record books for the Panthers, been there for a while. And Missouri Valley Football Conference, as they always got, not just the Missouri Valley Conference, Missouri Valley Football Conference, uh, I wouldn't say is wide open, but we see North Dakota State's beatable. They lost to the Coyotes last week. Um, you know, South Dakota State is still the best team in that conference, reigning national champs. I uh, only have one loss since the start of the 2022 season. John and I who know who that loss was to, so oh, we can keep moving on from that. But uh, the Missouri Valley Conference, in terms of being the second or third best team, kind of wide open. Uh, North Dakota State, still very good. Just They looked more beatable this past week. I saw some of their game against South Dakota as I was watching the UNI-Youngstown uh, State game too. So uh, UNI should, you know, should have a shot at the playoffs. They had a solid... 
uh, strength of schedule, obviously playing in the Missouri Valley Conference. You got to look for that sixth or you know sixth win to be safe, though. Of course, I think they have eleven game season, so a sixth win in the Missouri Valley is always key to making the playoffs in the FCS level. Once again, you and I at Indiana State, six o'clock p.m. kickoff this Saturday, five o'clock pregame on ninety nine The Wave. Certainly hope you are able to tune in for that. Well, don't want to draw this out too much longer here, guy. We uh, were able to cover a lot here on today's show. Uh, we talked about uh, the high school football playoff picture, including high school volleyball as well, with those uh, regional brackets coming up as well, and uh, college football around the state of Iowa. Our next uh, few local sports broadcasts here uh, on with On The Go Media. Uh, tomorrow night we will have uh, two different volleyball broadcasts. I will have the call of the semifinals and championship for the NICL Volleyball Tournament on 99 The Wave, 4.50 pregame, 5 o'clock first serve at Grundy Center. It'll be DNH versus Grundy Center in the opener, followed by AP versus Denver. Then the losers will play in the third place game, and the winners will play in the championship game. So lots of volleyball tomorrow on 99 The Wave. 104.9 KLMJ will have a North Central Conference matchup with uh, Hampton Dumont Cal playing host to Webster City. Josh Hamlin on the call of that. 7.20 is the pregame, 7.30 first serve. Football on Friday. I will have the call of Dyke New Hartford at Applington Parkersburg on 99 The Wave. Uh, Josh and Mitch will have Hampton Dumont Cal at Clear Lake. Both of those are 6:15. Rolling forward, road to the dome warm-up shows and seven o'clock kickoffs. The Dale Howard Sports Overdrive after that, and then uh, like we mentioned, the college football coming up this Saturday with uh, you and I taking on Indiana State. 5 p.m. pregame, 6 o'clock kickoff on the wave, and Iowa State against TCU, 5 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff on 104.9 KLMJ. Mitch, uh, we've covered a lot today, but anything else you want to get off your chest before we uh, send this bad boy home? I know I ranted a lot about the Iowa offense, but I need to reiterate, I still think that team goes 10-2. and Their offense is just still blah, so that's my final thought for today. This has been a production of the On The Go Media Podcast Network. Uh, Find us at RadioOnTheGo.com. And uh, be sure to tune in for our next podcast uh, coming up here before too long as well. And also check out all of our uh, Radio On The Go sports content throughout our website and on the air as well. He's Mitch Williams. I'm John Mowinkle. We'll catch you down the road.